HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah, that cat is high. No bad look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have one of my favorite people in the industry. Um, met this fellow a few years back, and I'm glad to uh, have kept meeting him over and over again. We have Scott Cron from the DH Cron Gin Company, or the American Gin Company, featuring DH Cron Gin and Avril Damson Gin. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks, Damon. Um... So uh, let's talk a little bit about the the American Gin Company. This was a project of uh, uh, between you and a friend from uh, Cornell. Correct. Cool. How did this all come about? Well, as uh, a lot of great business ideas come from, it was over a drink, actually. Absolutely. And conceptualized on a on a cocktail napkin. And mm-hmm. if you can believe it, there was an upscale uh, cocktail place at uh, in College Town. Where uh, where I went and uh, it was just really through one us my business partner and I drinking gin and the other part of it was uh, observing the the, uh, uh, the the bar you know and and what we observed was at the time and this was in the early early two thousands there was uh, gins that I loved you know you have the uh, the old traditional London dry style um, and. Really, what we realized is that you know the, the gin market was really in 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 decline. None of our friends were drinking gin, and uh, heck, you know maybe part of that reason was because uh, there wasn't really a whole lot uh, new in the market to uh, you know grasp the attention of, uh, of 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 the younger crowd. Yeah, not to date you or anything, yeah, <laughs> or expose your age, but what uh, what what year was this? Uh, what, give us a two thousand three. Two thousand three. Okay, so you've got a lot of people uh, drinking vodka, 
Um, Correct. Lots of uh, pretty much. Uh, that's when you know uh, a lot of the uh, flavored vodkas started booming, and uh, you guys were drinking gin, which is. Did you ever get any uh, shit for being uh, the old, the two old men at the bar? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, with with full disclosure, I am Canadian, even though I own the American Gin Company. <laughs> the other half is American, but you know, we drink a little earlier in Canada, and uh, it's just been a, a a spirit that I've always uh, liked. And I, I, to be honest with you, I I didn't know much about it or how it was produced uh, up until that point where we actually uh, started to write down ideas on a on a on a napkin, but. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I just I, I really love the taste of it. Cool. So you guys, uh, you were drinking your gin and tonics, hanging out, having these uh, these college days dreams of uh, owning a gin company. Yeah. Uh, flash forward to the time you started uh, actually working on this. Uh, what was it? Two thousand four. You uh, basically started the actual company, mm-hmm. and uh, we're producing. Yeah, be, well, between the uh, the time the idea came up and and the time we actually formed the company uh it was uh, i guess the uh, the time when we were sitting at the bar was a laugh laugh you know we're one day gonna own a a gin company and we did some more research and and really what we what we decided was you know one the the gin category uh had been in negative had had negative sales growth for 12 straight years Hmm. The, the category was really really in decline and and uh I guess there's no no better time to to get into the category uh, when when it's at when yeah. it's at the bottom. It's a we were fortunate. Buyer's market. <laughs> we, we were fortunate that we we made a bet that one uh, gin was going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the largest the the highest consumed spirits in in the United States now. Even at the time it was, even though it was declining. Oh. Um, and the second part of it is we we looked at the the beer market. And saw well, you know, people are really getting excited for small production beers and micro brews. So, heck, who knows? Maybe maybe this trend for micro distilling in the United States would uh, would would come to life. And and really, we're we're lucky that uh, a lot of this has has come true. People are definitely starting to take an interest in small production spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we owe a lot to to bartenders like yourself because you're the ones that are. Uh, right there on the floor, pushing <laughs> pushing gin, you know. So we, uh, without you guys, the the category wouldn't definitely wouldn't be where it is now. Awesome, thank you. Um, you know, uh, there was. Let's talk about your the actual flavor profile of this gin for a little while. Mm-hmm. Now you started out. Uh, a, if you read the uh, the bartender's gin compendium by Gaz Regan, uh, I still like to call him Gary, but me too. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you don't mind me referencing real quick, but uh, it says. Here that it's categorized uh, in the style of a London Dry slash American Dry and mm-hmm. not like a New American. Mm-hmm. Now, did you? But well, basically for our, our listeners, can you kind of explain what that means? I mean, like London Dry obviously is like juniper, botanical heavy, a mm-hmm. um, little bit more bite. But American, like a lot of people think of American gins as across the board as like a softer lighter botanical not so juniper heavy maybe a little bit more lavender mm-hmm. and coriander um but yours kind of falls somewhere between the two it kind of like brings people that don't necessarily want that huge piney bite mm-hmm. it, and i think you guys have a lot of citrus in your gin yep. which to me makes it perfect for a gin and tonic but can you kind of explain like what's going on with like american style gin uh as far as the style goes sure i mean i guess for the 
the the novice drinker uh for those that don't understand the production process for gin i always uh, think it's important to to talk about the fact that gin is essentially a, a flavored vodka to yeah. put it simply it's the we always joke about it being the uh the very first like the original flavored vodka mm-hmm. which is i mean you start off with a neutral spirit that's the blank canvas uh as you were saying the london dry style uh tends to be real sharp uh really heavy with uh juniper and and extremely angular uh and another point is it's high high strength you know it's mm-hmm. it's up on between 94 and 95 proof so the those are the gins that i grew up drinking and well, grew up again. Grew up drinking uh, since I was of, of age, but and and I I love those. maybe a little bit before, yeah. <laughs> and I, I love those gins, and I continue to drink them. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that we understood was, or, or, or the one thing that we thought is, you know, heck, we I like that flavor. I like mm-hmm. that that high juniper gin and and um, the high strength gin, but. It, we understood that it that that's a polarizing flavor. So what we tried to do is uh, sort of replicate. And this is this is a an old world style as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's important to note that uh, you know there's a distinct family tree and mm-hmm. definitely. And, well, I shouldn't say distinct. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of different styles, and uh, we researched a lot of old old world gins that happened to be. Uh, how you should know I say it's I, uh, rounded why, and oily. I don't know why we're talking about the way it tastes when we're not tasting it. Let's, yeah, let's, uh, have, <laughs> let's, let's have, have a little taste. Little but the, I mean, the, uh, I'll add some brevity to this. The, the overall f- flavor profile, it uh, it has a nice juniper backbone. It's not uh, quite as heavy with uh, the juniper. But overall, it's it's more of a rounded, slightly more delicate flavor profile than a London Dry style. And and nice and oily. We use fresh citrus peel, so you, you get this uh, rounded, oily uh, flavor from the... Uh, you guys use... Uh, uh, pretty commonly, people use... Uh, well, gin producers use uh, lemon and lime mm-hmm. peel and, and orange peel in theirs. And you use grapefruit, right? Grapefruit. As well. Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense, especially if you're going to be mixing, uh, you know... Your martinis, your gin and tonics, stuff like that. Um, also, it works really well in a last word cartel. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's taste it. Yeah, the, the, the grapefruit. Uh, I like the grapefruit because and 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 it really stands out in the gin. Yeah. By the way, it took about a year and a half to 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 come up with a flavor profile when you're when you're working with different herbs and spices and talk about how we you know we we soak all these spices in that neutral spirit before we redistill it. It's amazing at at how much uh, you know you you know you soak a, a spice like uh, I don't or a, a citrus peel like like lemon. You can let it sit in there for a, a good deal of time, and it, it's not going to have like an overbearing uh, yeah. result on the the end flavor profile. But uh, for example, we played around with a, a botanical uh, cardamom, mm-hmm. and that's we didn't end up using it, but that's a. A, a, a botanical or spice that, I mean, you let that sit in, in the spirit really for <laughs> for an hour and it starts to really take over. So it it it, uh, it is an art. It takes a lot of time to figure out the balance on on these gins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's cool about this, and actually, it will segue into one of your other products. Um, you've got this really great grapefruit presence, but also there's like a little bit of ginger in there mm-hmm. as well. It's like Thai Thai ginger you use, right? Yep. 
Um, and then you use this gin as the base, am I correct, for another product uh, that's very new to the market, the Avril Damson gin. Correct. And I owe a lot to you, Damon. You're the one that put that uh, that seed in my mind for for that product. But we, yeah, we use a very similar flavor profile for the base of the Avril Damson gin. Uh, when a lot of people, when a lot of distillers make their gins, what they what they do is, you know, they they soak their spices in the spirit. They uh, and then they distill it. When it comes out on the other end, it, it's a very concentrated version of the final profile. Um, <laughs> and. So what what peop, what a lot of distillers will do is once that uh, uh, that that distillate comes out of the other end of the still, they're going to dial that down with neutral spirits in order right. to get it to the intensity that they want. So with this, what we do, we we have a very very beefy, uh, intense gin, and then we're integrating uh, we're integrating with the juice of damson plums from Red Jacket Orchards in Geneva, and then lightly sweetening it. So it's a Historically, a uh, uh, Damson gin is a, a, a product that the English have made, and this is mm-hmm. the, the first Damson gin to be made in the United States, to my knowledge, anyway. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but it's cool because, like, using that mash bill, if you want to, you know, if you mm-hmm. want to start using whiskey. Botanical terms. profile. But yeah, the botanical profile. That's mm-hmm. what they call it in gin. It's mash bill for whiskey. <laughs> um, uh, but using that botanical profile, I mean, like, you've got plum with grapefruit and ginger. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that just makes sense to base it with that. You know, it's like, you're, are, those spices go so well together. Also, the orange and the plum. You know, I actually use this gin, the uh, the Damson gin, and a couple of, well, actually, uh, you need to come back by my bar sometime. Because I've got quite a few new ones. Um but uh, there's one that I use with Unterberg bitters and uh, Cointreau and Punta Mez. And it just, like, it's all, like, basically it's, like, the spices you use to cook duck. But it works <laughs> really well in a cocktail because of the clove. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is now entering its second year of production. Correct. And the the thing with the, the Damson plum is that it, it historically was used for jams and, and preserves. It's a very small plum a little bit bigger than a, a cherry and you know much too tart spicy the skins are very astringent uh, it's uh, not conducive to be eaten out of hand so uh, normally people would cook the plums down and add some sugar and make make them into jams and preserves um i lost my train of thought there um what did you ask me again there damon <laughs> I probably just oh I, I know where I was going with this the and uh the the demand for these uh uh plums <laughs> have fallen over the years i mean just i guess people really aren't jamming and preserving anymore um so in our our first production, we had enough fruit to produce about a hundred cases, and um the plums harvest August September every year, and then the products produce once a year shortly after that and there was a great damson harvest this past year, so we'll be able to produce a little bit more. Thanks. In the coming uh, production, and you said that it was uh, the plums were actually harvested a little bit later in the season, so they are very ripe. So you get a lot more concentrated sugar content and like rich flavor. So, and the skins, it, the uh, the one amazing thing about Damson plums, uh, they're they're the oldest cultivated plums. I mean, the there's uh, evidence that the Crusaders uh, spread them throughout uh, Europe, and then the uh, early American settlers, the French and the English, brought them over to. America, but in the early days, the skins of the plums were actually used uh, for the production of dyes. Right, uh, and so you get this really beautiful, 
uh, uh, rich, uh, reddish Almost purple like, color, like a yeah. crimson color. It's, it's exactly. really beautiful. And it tastes really great, too. You know, a lot of people, they tend to lump these, uh, like, Damson gin in with, with slow gin, mm-hmm. which is also another, like, very British, you know, uh, style of gin. But what a lot of people don't realize is that this is actually made from a plum, not a slow berry. And it's like the slow, slow gins are very sweet. Mm-hmm. And so when you get this Damson gin, it's kind of like a real drinker's like infused gin, you know, it's like, like for like bartenders, we really like using it because it's very bright and acidic mm-hmm. and it works really well in cocktails. And then you're, you know, it's almost like when you're recording music, it's like you can always like add more bass to it but you can't take bass out it's like the same thing with this it's like you right. can add sugar to it if it's not sweet enough it's like you can add to it in a cocktail but you can't take it out of slow gin exactly. you know? so it's really it's an amazing product to work with with cocktails um we're gonna take a quick break and uh when we get back we'll continue talking a little bit about avril damson gin and dh cron gin we're talking with scott cron when we get back we'll also talk about some other really fun stuff Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away And I know, 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 I this is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Every Thursday at 4.30 p.m., tune in to Flash Talks Cash, hosted by Joanne Flash Fleming. Flash Talks Cash is a weekly talk show discussing personal and small business money issues. The show examines current topics from the financial tax world and the ways it impacts your wallet. Focus is to help people and small businesses find ways to make money, save money, spend money, and know what to do with your money when you get it. Again, that's every Thursday at 4.30 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. And we're back at the Speakeasy with good friend, gin producer, Scott Cron from the American Gin Company, Thank you, sir. although he is from Canada, <laughs> as he so eloquently pointed out at the foot of the show. Um, hey, so we, we've been talking about gin. We've been talking about your uh, DH Cron gin. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about Avril Damson gin, which is also one of your products. Really fascinating stuff. Um, these products are available in the uh, United States or available in the UK, mm-hmm. and uh, they're constantly like being spread around um and with a little help from a company that you work for as well you rep for uh you represent for uh house, house alpens house alpens correct which is uh, a company that was started by eric seed mm-hmm. a little while back um really found 
a home and very like serendipitous timing like with uh with the cocktail movement and uh like well with the the renaissance of the the cocktails um and and that style of bartending in general i mean they're some of the first products i saw from them were you know like the creme de violette and the allspice dram mm-hmm. stuff like that that you know no one could actually make a uh, a correct aviation you know as per like hugo enslin's 1916 recipe mm-hmm. without it you know and it was off the market forever also you know there was like you know, ray and nephew i believe was making a, a pimento dram an allspice dram for a little while but it was really hard to get and now we have allspice dream and it's not just for tiki drinks i mean you can use it in all kinds of classic drinks um and they uh they're the ones house albums is the one that's uh helping out with the uh, production of avril right yeah and uh, well, mostly the distribution, the distribution right, of it yeah I mean. so uh this company is doing all kinds of cool stuff um you get to I would I would like to have your job with this company. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Get to talk about really cool, geeky, like rare uh, bitters and liqueurs. Mm-hmm. And uh, you brought some of them with you today. Um, one of them to start this off is the uh, the Heyman's Old Tom Gin. Mm-hmm. Now, can you? I mean, to me, the uh, the Old Tom Gin is. I mean, it's definitely considered like one of the like original styles of gin, but it's. It's not something a lot of people know about, you know, still. Can you uh, let our listeners know a little bit more about Old Tom Gin? And this is, uh, this is a really cool product. Um, you know, number one, it, it comes from the, the Heyman's family, which is uh, one of the oldest, or I think the oldest gin producer in, in London. And this is the style. I think it went out of production in about 1960, but this is the style. The Old Tom style is... Really, and it's an unfortunate period in in England's history. But this is the, the type of gin that fueled the gin craze oh, yeah. in in the United <laughs> Kingdom in the 18th century. Um, and, and really, what it is is uh, it's an ex- very heavily uh, aromatized and lightly sweetened gin. So it's uh, it's it's you know not in the fashion of a London dry, where that's you know very angular and and dry. This is extremely rounded. And uh, you know it's the original gin in the in the Tom Collins right. uh, and the Martinez. You know when you started Martinez. to see a lot of mm-hmm. these. Uh, Two of my favorite drinks. Well, they, you can help me out with this. The the, the cocktail was the cocktail started to be uh, present in the United States in what the late nineteenth century, correct? The uh, the the actual like term cocktail or the Martinez or the co- Tom co- when were I mean cocktails to my understanding became popular in the United States. Uh, it in was the gonna, late 19th century. It was like mid mid to late. I mean, okay. you know, we didn't see the term cocktail in, in mm-hmm. print until 1806, but who knows how long they were being produced. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, I actually kind of I kind of make the joke sometimes about Heyman's Old Tom Gin, or Old Tom Gin, especially like aged ones, like, uh, uh, like Ransom that's produced in the Pacific Northwest. I always make the jokes like, dude, put it on rocks and uh, put a twist on it, and it's a gin old fashioned because of what you like, just what you were saying before. It's like, it's a little bit more aromatized mm-hmm. and it's sweetened. Mm-hmm. And the true, like, the old fashioned cocktail, I mean, or just cocktail in general, is like spirit, sugar, water, and bitters. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what this is it's a prepackaged cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's one way of putting it. I mean, I, uh, 
I've heard it both ways. <laughs> it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool story because the, the Heyman's family comes from a a, a long standing history of of gin production. Uh, Christopher Heyman, who is the 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 master distiller, is the I believe the great 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 grandson of James Burrow, who invented beef eater gin. Oh wow! And oh, I didn't uh, know that. That's mm-hmm. that's cool. So it's it's a it's a really cool gin. You know, it's uh, uh, one that's a very distinct style and and really useful in, in the market right now with all these classic cocktails uh, uh, you yeah. know, surging and becoming popular. As are a lot of the, I mean, like pretty much I mean, all the products that are coming from uh, from House Alpines, you know, like, Jesus, the, uh, even just like Dolan Vermouth, I mean, yep. which apparently was the original producer of Vermouth, too, from mm-hmm. what I've heard. Well, leave, uh, I mean, Eric, Eric Seed's the type of guy who doesn't like to, like to bring himself into it, um, and I'll keep it short, but... He has been coined the the Indiana Jones of the the spirits world. You know he he's really gone and and done a lot of research and and looked into a lot of these uh, cool products that you know went out of production and he's helped to resurrect um, a lot of these products and and help people in turn resurrect and, a lot of these classic drinks the right way, which is pretty cool. And he uh, spends most of his time in Minnesota where there's no cocktail <laughs> oh, yeah. scene at all. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> um, cool, man. Let's. Uh, you want to taste a few things? Yeah, let's taste some stuff. So the Heyman's Old Tom Gin works really well. Obviously, I mean it's the original uh, gin base for the Martinez, which is the precursor to the Martini. Uh, that's going to be the Martinez will be Old Tom Gin, uh, Italian Vermouth, um, Maraschino liqueur, bitters, and uh, it's debatable which twist is appropriate. I like lemon twist. I, I want to ask you this, Damon. What what proportions? Uh, are you using for the the uh, the Martinez? The Martinez, I do it two to one on heavy on the vermouth side, yeah. the, like the original. I knew there was way. something I liked about you because that's the way <laughs> I do it. Yeah, and so originally, and like this might perplex a lot of martini drinkers, but the uh, the original Martinez was two parts vermouth to one part Old Tom gin, and then mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, maraschino and bitters, and then. After a while, it actually switched over to two parts gin to one part vermouth, mm. and then that's when it started morphing into what we know as a martini nowadays. Obviously, yeah. it was switched out. The gin switched out. The the uh, Italian vermouth went to uh, to uh, French vermouth, white vermouth, and um, <clears throat> there you go. You can just see where it goes from there. Well, that's but, uh, great because I thought it was just I was getting old and couldn't handle my alcohol anymore. That's why I was uh, switch, you know, well, uh, you know switching what? the portions or something. Ten years ago, I would have done the two parts gin to one part vermouth. But now that we have so many great vermouths on the market, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, they should be showcased. In fact, you brought one with you, right? The yep. uh, Cookie uh, Torino. Yeah, we should taste this. We should. We could almost, we, for our listeners, we have so many bottles on the table right now. We could actually open a bar in here. We could probably make a Martinez. <laughs> Looking around right now. Thank you, Scott. So the Koki Torino uh, vermouth just hit the market. Yeah, this this just hit the market. This is the uh, Koki Vermouth de Torino. Uh, the first product in the market was the uh, Koki Americano, which we- is a traditional white uh, quinquina from Asti. Mm-hmm. Similar uh, to can- like Lillet Blanc. Correct, with a little bit more traditional in the sense that it uh, a bit more bitter, a little bit more bitter. Now, the the vermouth Torino is uh, there's really uh, uh, two protected geographical 
indications in the world of vermouth. There's vermouth de Chambry, which is mm-hmm. the uh, the Dolan. Dolan Dolan vermouth is the only producer uh, with 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 that designation um, or holding that designation. The other uh, uh, geographical indication is the vermouth de Torino, and that's really known to be real rich, mm-hmm. heavy red vermouth. So it's got Car- some richness, but the Carpano under that. Yeah, that that would be more of what you call a vermouth a la vanilla. So it mm. it's uh, uh, again, it's got that real richness. It's got a nice spice profile. It ends with what I find a, a real heavy uh, vanilla profile. Where where this uh, the Koki vermouth de Torino, it it ends with a more in depth spice profile yeah. with local bitter spices yeah. from the area. It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful stuff. Um, so. Just in the profile and in, in, in the uh, the catalog of House Alpids, I mean, you've basically opened up so many uh, so many avenues, so many doors for for bartenders and for, even for the home mixologist, you know, uh, the cocktail enthusiast, mm-hmm. to be able to create, recreate these classic cocktails down to like the finest point, and mm-hmm. it's it's really amazing, man. I mean, especially you know. With the with the the damson gin and with these, like this uh, Torino uh, vermouth, yep. you've got you know your your allspice dream. You've got uh, these other vermouths in the catalog as well. These uh, like Bonal Kinkina, uh, it's really exciting. Like for me to even get to talk about this because I'm a total geek about this, and uh, and I I know my friends are probably listening, wondering why I keep tripping over my words but it's because we have seven bottles on the table and i'm geeking out well uh, i think that in in the in the liquor industry that over the past 10 years the the market has become so saturated with products um and on the other end of it the, the consumer is becoming more and more savvy and educated with products so i think that for every new product in the market it's smart to really have a reason for being and that's what we're really careful to, yeah. to uh, you know, to make sure that we're we're bringing products to market that really are are adding value to to someone. You know, you're definitely adding a lot of value to to it across the board. I mean, to me, it's just good for everyone that you know bringing great products like this in makes it good for you because you're doing some great, really cool work. Mm-hmm. And for me as a bartender, and for you know us as bartenders, we get to work with really cool uh, interesting ingredients mm-hmm. and then for the customers they get to like share that excitement and then you know at home you get to do that as well i mean dude i mean like hell even blanc vermouth i mean no one knew what blanc vermouth was mm-hmm. forever and you know it's just it's it's been a, a really fascinating you know last three or four years like yeah. since i've known you and uh got to know you better and uh Got to like hang out and talk about cocktails and be a super geek <laughs> together and uh, drink Damson gin. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, I, I love my job because it. Uh, I am a a, <laughs> a traveling salesman, if you will. However, w- when I walk in and with new products, I I show people the products, you know, and if it yeah. works for you and and it adds value to your program, great. If not, that's no that's not a problem either. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, we'll continue to do our best to to bring some interesting uh, interesting products to the table. 
Well, you've definitely added a lot of value to the bar world these days, and you've added a great deal of value to this show by coming on. Oh, well, thanks, Damon. Thanks, thanks for having a, me. Yeah, thanks a lot. Scott Cron, American Gin Company. Buy some D.H. Cron Gin and Avril Damson Gin next time you see a bottle on the show. Uh, thanks again. Thanks to my producer, my producer Jack Inslee. And uh, now we're going to go have another shot. Cheers. That cat is high. Look at that look in his eye. Man, I wouldn't lie. The cat's higher than a kite. Now when you see him stumbling, Whole Foods Market celebrates Earth Month with the Do Something Real Film Festival, a collection of six provocative character-driven films focused on food, environmental issues, and everyday people with a greater vision. Come see one of the six features at City Cinemas Village East from Saturday, April 16th through Thursday, April 21st, every night at 6 p.m. Learn more about the films and special events at www.dosomethingreal.com. That's www.dosomethingreel.com. Sponsored by Whole Foods Market. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. The Snacky Tunes compilation has arrived and is available for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com. This compilation features live performances from some of the hottest acts around today, including Midnight Magic, Surfer Blood, Oberhofer, and more. Again, you can download this compilation for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com, and make sure to listen to Snacky Tunes every Monday at 2 p.m. on Heritage Radio Network.